The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. After a lifetime of ADD-induced hyperfocusing, I have decided to share the things that fascinate me. I'm Jack, and welcome to Musings of an ADD Mind. Welcome to Musings of an ADD Mind. I'm your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. Today's topic is uh, continuing our series on Donald Trump and America. And today I have a very special guest, my eldest daughter, Misty, much like myself and her younger brother, Duncan, who was on last week's episode. She, too, has opinions on things. So, Misty, say hi. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, I know that, you know, you've always been very soft-spoken and <laughs> never had opinions on things. So I know that oh, yeah. that um, talking on this podcast is going to be very difficult for you, but please try to come bit, out of I'm your show. I'm a little shy. Yeah, just, just a little. <laughs> Actually, I've always had opinions, but I was, I used to be shy. Not really anymore. Yeah, it's no, you, you express them pr- fairly well. <laughs> So, today Misty and I are going to talk about the evangelical church and what, from the outside, is a strangely odd love affair with Donald Trump. Because if there was ever somebody that ran for office that was the least evangelical Christian ideal for a president, it was Trump. The dude has had sex with a porn star, and that's generally anti-evangelical. Uh, made comments about his own daughter. There is that. In yeah. a similar fashion. There was the, you know, the quote-unquote locker room talk. Um, a house made of gold. <laughs> the cheating on all three of your wives. Kind of funny. Yeah. House of and, gold. Uh, yeah. Love of money. Well, no, that one doesn't surprise me. Evangelicals, preachers love it them some money. It doesn't surprise me, but it's... With the gold thing, I really laugh because it's like, isn't there like a whole thing about a cow, a golden cow or something? Yes, but Donald Trump doesn't have a golden cow. He has a golden Donald Trump. Oh, he actually has a golden cow. Interesting. That seems like... Oh, no, I'm saying he is one. Oh, yeah. He's a golden cow. And yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, there's the cheating on every wife and several girlfriends and, you know, that kind of stuff. Why I'm, you know. Melania got a lot cooler after he was elected, though. She did not put up with any of that. I thought it was so funny. Like, well, she does I mean, not want to be involved in his <laughs> antics. It's right? hilarious to me. Yeah. She's um, like, no, I'll stay here. <laughs> right? I'll live in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've just always found that relationship odd, though, because a lot of the stuff that they um, did not like Bill Clinton for or former presidential candidate Gary Hart, or, you know, several others, was because of cheating on the wife. And, you know, he was a, he's a serial cheater, and that didn't seem to bother him. And I've just found that whole thing odd. Well, I've had, well, you know this, I've had lots of conversations with um, fans of Trump. As I'm sure, like, most people have. They've been in conversation about him in some way, shape, or form. 
Uh, but I feel like, I don't know, I, there's been like something I've run into a lot with these people is like, oh, you can't prove that. You'll say something and they say, you can't prove that, or that's not true. When he has books written about like the things he's done now, I haven't read them and I don't know, like, I didn't know about the cheating stuff as much, actually. That's somewhat news to me. Yeah, that well, that, surprise me. that's why his first wife divorced him, because he was... Oh. Um, Ivana divorced him because he was having an affair with Marla Maples. I think Marla Maples. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that does and sound then, familiar now. Yeah, and then he married her. And I think he had a kid with her. Maybe a couple, I don't know. And then um, he cheated on her, and then they divorced. And then he married Melania, and then, of course, cheated on her with Stormy Daniels. When Baron okay, was like six only, days old. Not only is he the least like qualified or least Christian president we've ever had, but his wife, that's something that always surprised me too, is the way that, let's say, I mean, just even the most previous first lady, Michelle Obama, the way people spoke about her. And then you have Melania, who's modeled like almost nude is being praised for the way she looks but michelle obama couldn't show like show her shoulders without getting chastised by the world melania trump made a european um lesbian softcore porn oh so naked and gay yes and you know i whatever i don't care about that part but no but it's it's the hypocrisy of yeah um, it's even more surprising yeah, it's the hypocrisy of, you know, the whole notion that LGBTQ, as I've mentioned before, that is a tongue twister for me and I can never say it smoothly, um, considering <laughs> how they, the evangelical church strongly dislikes that uh, community and calls them evil and, you know, you could commit murder and you can be forgiven by Jesus, but if you have a, you know you like the same sex, then you're going straight to hell and you can't be forgiven. Yeah. So well, that's you know, why it's surprising that... Lesbians you know, are usually forgiven if a little bit more than the others. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so I just find it odd that there's um, that viewpoint. You know, it's like all forgiven. And I know that some of it's... When it was just him going against Hillary, I could see that. But it actually started in the primaries. And that was where it was surprising to me, was that it started in the primaries. And there were all these, like, you know, the big wig evangelical tele-preachers oh, okay. or whatever that, like, relatively quickly got on the Trump train. And I just found it weird when there were, like, people running against him in the primary that were actually, you know, went to church. Yeah. <laughs> I it's it's the whole thing is is odd and fascinating to me. Um but Misty was saying earlier that during the twenty sixteen election, um she actually I guess knew that Trump was going to win like early on, I guess, in the primary uh in the primaries. Yeah. Basically as soon as he announced that he was running, I was like, he's gonna win. Not because I believed in the guy, but I just had a feeling. And also, like, I've never been super political until... And I, I still am not all that political, but that's when I really started paying attention was that election. Mm -hmm. 
and um yeah I just I always had like a theory and it hasn't like proven me wrong well actually I did think that I had a feeling that Trump might win this last one but I didn't like decide on what would happen because at that point I didn't care anymore (laughs) as long as it wasn't him but and even then anyway that's a whole other different conversation but right um had a theory whoever gets the most attention wins good attention bad attention people thought obama was the devil Mm -hmm. so the i guess if you're not using like actual logic and reason if you're using your own brand of logic and reason or that specific brand um then like it makes sense if you've come if you think from like their perspective it makes sense that the next thing after obama a black man he's a devil he's you know he's not from here he's a foreigner he like all these things that they said about him right it makes sense that the next person the pendulum would, would sing com- swing American, completely in the other direction white godlike whatever not that Boomer. he is but it's it's the polar opposite of what we had last before him right well, yeah, no, I. That makes sense. The, you know, it was the pendulum swang, swang, the other way, but it like went way, way the other way, um, which, if you think about it, yeah. isn't surprising. Um, no, you gotta. There's balance in all things. Yeah the the 2020 <laughs> election, I think, will always sort of be a weird election because it was in the middle of you know a pandemic and lockdowns, and even though. Trump supporters don't necessarily believe in the pandemic. There was still a pandemic and lockdowns and things happening and there wasn't the normal campaign rally. And so I can understand why people would think that Joe Biden didn't have the support that he had because, one, let's be honest, if the color beige were running for president, it would be Joe Biden. Yeah, and honestly, I think that might be why he he won. (laughs) is because he's kind of in the similar way that Trump was opposite to Obama. Right. <laughs> Biden yeah. was the opposite of Trump. <laughs> no, there, there's there's <laughs> some truth way. to that. And um, he, so that I think, you know, last year's election is sort of an, an anomaly. And I don't know that the evangelical church is really, because I grew up Southern Baptist evangelical. And so there's a lot of stuff that you kind of get raised thinking and then sometimes mm-hmm. you know it, you know who knows when it can be your 20s 30s 40s whenever but sometimes there comes a point where you just sort of start to realize you know man there's a lot of gaslighting and bullshit that goes on in the church yeah. and i feel like somehow over the last 5 years a lot of evangelical pastors that are either on tv or youtube and all of that stuff really went over the all in for trump and then there are many of them, like this dude named Rick Wiles. Um, forgive me, my dog's barking. Um, and this other fellow that's in Tennessee, I can't think of his name. And they just went all in. And then there's a dude named Robin Bullock. And he was making, you know, predictions. God talked to him. Donald Trump is going to win. And this really strange lady named Cat something or other, God told me he's going to win. And Paula White. and that one lady that's the representative from Minnesota, I can't think of her name, Michelle Bachman, you know, God told her that Trump was going to win, and Pat Robertson, and, you know, for example, Michelle Bachman said, you know, 
God has told me, he spoke to me, he's told me that Donald Trump is going to win this election. And once God sets something in motion, there is no force that can stop it. When God says he's going to do something, he does it, and nothing can change that. <laughs> and then But it's Trump the people lost. deciding what God says. <laughs> well, yeah, but then Trump lost. And then they were saying... You know, Satan and the Democrats stole the election. Well, you can't have it both ways. God can't be all-powerful, and when he sets something in motion, nothing can stop him, and then say that, A, Satan stole it, because then you're kind of implying that, well, Satan's more powerful than God, or B, Joe <laughs> Biden and the Democrats stole it, which Still once again... they're not going to like that one. Yeah, and then once again, you're saying that Joe Biden and the Democrats are more powerful than God. So, wow. maybe, here's a thought... Maybe Biden is God. I'm well, just kidding. <laughs> no, I was just you know. My brain went off. <laughs> right. Maybe God didn't Guys, tell you I that. Guys, I also have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe God didn't tell you that. You know that. That's the option I'm going with. That you just said that, and perhaps, perhaps God didn't tell you that, or he's weaker I think than. You might have gotten your lines crossed a little bit. Yeah. And maybe someone else told you that. Right. But you know, on that same note, if you know you're told by evangelicals that everything that happens happens according to God's plan, so then Satan couldn't steal the election or the Democrats couldn't because Joe Biden becoming president was clearly part of God's God, plan. God's plan, yeah. And as is often said, God works in mysterious ways, and who are we to know <laughs> the thinking of God? Well, you know, he's coming to take back his presidency. Right. So it's um, not over yet. I know. It's <laughs> going to happen. Well, actually, there's one dude, I can't think of his name, who's actually said that God offered it to Donald Trump, but Donald Trump wasn't ready to take the presidency back because he was still recuperating from the mean treatment that he got from the media and Democrats during his no. first term. What? Yeah. 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 They will say anything to make it fit. Whoa, I haven't <laughs> heard that one. Yeah. That's some pretty uh pretty quality gaslighting, right? Yeah, that's like classic Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, and it you It's know, okay. It, he's he's like he's still he's gonna he's just not doing great right now. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's taking he, a break. <laughs> he needed a rest. So he he's just gonna let Biden run things for a bit and then he's gonna he's come so back and take good over. and powerful that he can't handle he can handle everything else he's been through, but he can't handle the mean people on the internet. Yeah. And then, of course, there are those that say that there's actually a shadow government and that Trump's in charge and that there's just this uh, Biden is just a front for the shadow government. First of all, I don't think anyone would agree to that. Um, no, I could, I could see like there being a shadow government in general <laughs> more easily than I could like Biden being a front for the... Like, well, yeah, Trump's but shadow presidency. But if you're going to claim that um, you love the Constitution in America, then you can't actually be like all gung ho about a shadow government that Trump's in front of, because there's the whole Q thing that there are the global elite globalist pedophiles that are trying to rule the world and run the country. And now you're just basically for a different one because it's your guy that's running the shadow government, not the people you don't agree with. It's a different shadow government. There's not a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
That would be a um, hey Parker cool Brothers. Show. You want to have a a new a new board game? <laughs> Shadow government monopoly breakup. <laughs> oh my god! You rolled a but six. Here's the thing, though, if if Trump's running the shadow government, then doesn't that mean that everything that's happening and goes into action isn't Biden's fault? <laughs> right? That It doesn't make sense. I know. And the thing is, too, they can't agree. They don't agree on any of this. It's like individual conspiracies that, you know, some guy on YouTube with like 52 viewers in the 17 years that he's been on YouTube these people believe in it's like a mini church (laughs) right i feel like that's where these conspiracies come from or they read it on facebook or their cousin their you know their cousin told them or some craziness i don't know if they're gullible but i have i've gotten a little bit like less hateful recently not that i'm like hateful but you just look at people sometimes and you're like how can you be so stupid right you get angry like i get angry (laughs) And I'm calming down a little bit because I've realized I had the misfortune of learning that um, the average American has a seventh grade reading level. And to be honest, that explains a lot of this for me. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to piss off teachers, but I do feel no, like... No, and it's not their fault. It really isn't. No, no. I, I do feel like there is some sort of flaw, and I have no idea how to fix or correct it but i feel that um like history and civics and government are not necessarily like pushed or taught the way they should be um because like civics or government is generally like an elective it and maybe it shouldn't be an elective maybe it should be you know a requirement that starts say at the elementary level because a lot of these sort of conspiracy, sort of weird theories and, you know, about Trump coming back in office, if you knew American government, you'd know that it couldn't happen. But do you think that the bipartisan system would work as well? Well, I say well, but do you think it would work the same, work out for the politicians the same, if people were educated on how the government works? Well, I mean, that would obviously change things but like then again most voting. of the polit- <laughs> a good chunk of the people that are you know elected to office they don't understand how government works yeah and you know so there's you know sort of that issue but as weird as it sounds the american system of government was designed for like the middle road yeah right it was it was designed so that like group a proposes whatever Group B is like, <laughs> no, that's stupid. And then they get together through, you know, committees and whatever. And group B is like, well, you know, if it was just A, D, e, F, and G, we would be for it. And group A is like, no, 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 B has to be included in that also. But G is stupid. We're not, you know, we can't change G to what you want, it, you know, if, if it's going to be yours, we just won't have G. And then eventually through, you know, committee, the best version of the plan is what we're supposed to get. And, and I, I don't do think that like as much as many like problems I feel like I have with the government, I think that for the general public, most of the time it's fine. Like, right. For the most part, there's and, a lot of problems. But yeah. And <laughs> kind of like uh, you said, that you have to 
govern for the middle of the road. Right. And I understand that as a teacher. I'm not teaching the youth. You know, I'm teaching adults. Right. But, yeah, I understand that, because you kind of have to teach to the middle of the class sometimes. Yeah. And and see, the the evangelical church, obviously, I don't mean the every single church and every right. single preacher. The church is but, the people, not one building. Right. But when there's, for a probably a good 40 or 50 years, you've been preaching that, you know, the other group that you don't agree with are evil and they're bad. There's going to be a certain point where people know that attend your churches are not going to be able to believe that that's not the case because you've been taught that for, you know, 30, 40, 45 years. And that's just how you think that people are evil. And a lot of these preachers that have done that are really doing, they're doing a disservice to their congregation when they do that. And, you know, the other part is when you're just saying that God told you this and then it didn't happen, you know, darn well, God didn't tell you that. You're just saying that because you want to get the people that you're talking to, to believe you (laughs) and give you money and, you know, go and vote. Which brings, you know, up another thing. If you're a preacher, you're not supposed to lie, right? God doesn't like a liar. He has says several times throughout the Bible that you shouldn't lie. I so when they think they're lying though, I think they believe it. But when you're knowingly gaslighting people, you know, gaslighting, let's be honest, is is a major form of lying. I don't know if they either they know it and they, they like the authority i guess the attention maybe maybe i'm it wouldn't honestly surprise me if they did a study and they said that 73 percent of pastors were narcissistic it wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised oh no i but i also think for a lot of it i think that they really don't have any forethought and that they believe what they're thinking that they're being spoken to by god see i don't know sometimes you want, i don't you want know. To believe that you're right you know but yeah, no, I, it honestly, it's probably a combination of the two, um, because I do know that when you're praying and everything, you feel like God is talking to you. But frequently, when God is talking to you, strangely enough, He always tells you exactly what you want to hear. Right. <laughs> it, it's very rare that you know He He doesn't, and so I feel like so yeah, many of many these people out there are being actively corrected by God in their sessions. <laughs> right. You know, God isn't telling you, you know, Homies. hey, maybe maybe you should, you know, give that homeless dude a sandwich. You know, maybe. What is it called when, what's not like, oh my gosh, oh, discernment. That, I remember whenever I went to church was huge for me. And I also have some like OCD, so this plays into this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was in church, I was obsessed with, like I say that literally, like it would keep me up at night. Um, that's why I couldn't sleep in high school was because like, well, not one of, that was one of the reasons, but I was obsessed with like doing the right thing. And like it, I don't know. I felt like everything I did was wrong and like that I was going to be judged by the church, even though we went to a fairly open-minded church, I still felt like I was being watched all the time, which for someone with OCD and I've learned since that's like a specific branch of OCD, religious OCD. Right. And yeah, so (laughs) that was hard. But I think like that was one of the things that in my faith 
which has changed since. But in my faith, then, I I really focused on discernment. So it is really surprising to me that maybe just because of my experience, like, I guess what I think it means to be a Christian Mm -hmm. is knowing what's right and wrong and, like, yeah, asking God for that discernment. And not coming to God and saying, "This is what it, this is. This is what it is." Right? It's like, God, I know right. that you know that Trump's president or whatever. Like, I don't know what they say, but I don't know that does surprise me. But maybe because maybe because of my experience. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly interesting, and I know that generally speaking, I don't know sixty percent of the time, you know, church is going to vote more conservative and which generally means Republican, which is fine, but you need to be able when the candidate is clearly not necessarily, you know, what you think, you need to be able to say, well, in this case, we're going to have to support the other guy. And I think ultimately it, it boiled down to Trump came out as very strongly um, pro-life, which is funny because before he ran, he was pro-choice. And... Yeah. That is well, yeah, everyone knows he used to be a Democrat right with the Clintons like everyone that's yeah. the thing everyone knows that kind of thing he they they know what he actually believes, but that's not right. what they believe and for a lot of the evangelical church, the abortion issue is the primary issue, and we're not going to discuss pro or con or abortion yeah. right now because that would be like a six year podcast that, that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that that's not a podcast that's a whole other series of maybe, podcasts maybe i should start a podcast <laughs> and um so i'm not going to discuss that but that is there are a lot of christians that that is their single issue thing they don't care well, about like anyone else attention thing i was talking about yeah it's and they want an extremely emotionally charged topic right that will push someone an individual a voter one way or another right and for a lot of them, that's their issue, and they wanted Trump because he said he was going to nominate um, pro-life judges, which he did, which is kind of surprising because I thought, man, y'all are going to be in for a shock, but he did. <laughs> I actually had a theory that the Democrats were going to win the midterm election and take both the Senate and the House, and that like Donald Trump was going to come out and be like, I'm a Democrat now. I can't work with the Republicans and the minority. So I was a little surprised that he didn't do that. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. And so that was, I think, it's such a big thing for so many Christians that they're willing to forgive, like, all other transgressions. Yeah. And Saving then, those yeah. babies. Yeah. And then back on the sort of preachers, there's this one dude uh, named Robin Bullock, and it's really weird because he wears like a black leather jacket from like 1979 or something like that. Oh, he's a cool pastor. Yeah, and he has um he has like straight long hair, and I believe it's this dude Robin Bullock, and he talks about how Trump has the anointing of Cyrus, and you know, as you know, Misty, I, I grew up Cyrus. going to church a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is the anointing of Cyrus? You're and one so, of the few people I know that has probably actually read through the Bible. Have you? Yeah, I've read the Bible through and through three times. Yeah, that's what I would like. I I knew at least once, just because I know you. Yeah. 
And um, even did, if you didn't believe in it, like <laughs> your whole life, I still would guess that you would have read the Bible. Yeah, I did it as a teenager, and then I did it twice as an adult. Um, one time it was a Bible study type thing, and so you would like the way the study worked was you would do like a chapter in Genesis and then a chapter in Matthew, hmm. and you worked your way through the New and the Old Testament, Oof, yeah. doing it that way. And then another time as an adult, I just started in Genesis and read it to the end of Revelation. But I'm like back to the anointing of Cyrus. I'm like, what the, what the fuck is this? I've never heard of this. So I look it up, and there's this thing that basically says that when the the Jews had been moved uh, to Persia and Cyrus was the the king of Persia and he let the Jews go back to uh, Jerusalem and Israel and there was something about he was he was the 45th or something like that or it happened in oh like you know 45 yeah or it happened in like 845 or 645 or 445 whatever it was you there's a 45 that's in there go like the numbers oh like like the number 23 right it's and so common yeah and so because Trump was the 45th president you know that was God <laughs> saying that he has the anointing of Cyrus because God gave Cyrus, you know, he let him, let let the Israelites go back to Jerusalem. And I was just like, uh, okay, you just pulled that out of your butt. Did it hurt? Or did you lube it before you pulled it out? So, you know, there was that. And I don't know. I've just found it. reach. Yeah. I've just found it really odd. You know how I was saying about the emotional, emotionally charged topics? Mm-hmm. I feel like, so, I mean, I haven't lived through that many presidencies, and like I said, I wasn't political. I worked at, like, a political call center, like a survey place, during the Obama election. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of fun, like, a little bit of fun insight. Right. Um, for a I was working there as a teenager. I, I remember. Understand, and I didn't know why people were so mad at these people. I'm like, they're politicians. Like, yeah, they're not like, none of them are great. <laughs> I knew that somehow then. But do you like, was it because I remember Obama election 2008 when well, that was super emotionally charged. Is it has it just always been this way? Like, I know there was a lot with Clinton, but like, and Bush. Well, not so much with Bush. Well, which Bush remember, are you though. talking I, about? Uh, George, but I just little—I literally just like don't remember. George Walker Bush or his dad? Uh, W. W. No, that one was w. pretty. Those were both pretty charged. He was more feel good because he was like born again Christian and. Well, yeah, no, the the church definitely they were all for, um, for. But it wasn't w. as emotional as it is now. Um, it was, but it was slightly different. Um. Really where, like, the emotional part of it sort of happened is because that was probably one of the closer elections in history. And um, I want to say it came down to, like, less than a 1,000 votes in Florida. Wow. And it went to the Supreme Court. And um, as I mentioned last episode with Duncan, if ever there was somebody who was the vice president who could have thrown out an election result when they were certifying, certifying the electoral college in Congress, if it was a power the vice president had, I'm fairly certain Al Gore, who was going against W, would have done that in 2000, but he didn't. But anyway, um, yeah, no, that one was, that was a pretty heated and charged thing. And then his, his, uh, his campaign with um, John Kerry was also 
um, pretty charged, but it wasn't charged on like the like religious front. In okay. but with Obama, it was charged, but it was charged with the the opposite way. People he's a Muslim. Thought he was the Antichrist. Right. That's all I heard in high school. Yeah, he's a Muslim. He's not really a Christian. His pastor, you know, is a dick. And so that was it was charged that way. And of course, obviously, um, the second election, some of the the Muslim part had gone away. But I don't know. I just find the whole thing weird. And maybe I'm sure social media has something to do with it, too, because all of our opinions are mixing all in the same pot. And, you know, before social media, people kind of stuck to their own people. Right. And like you had that one crazy family member or neighbor or something that. Yeah thought all these crazy things and you're like oh that's just joe or you know whoever but now it's like oh there's like a problem with like how you think and they have both sides thinking this that you're the reason that you know you're the problem or like the other group is saying you're the problem it's so charged now and social media doesn't help because the algorithm the more you like something that swings a certain way the less it shows you the other and the more it shows you what you like so you never see anything that's really the opposing viewpoint and then on top of it, yeah. if there's a source you don't like, you have the option of making it to where you'll never see that something from that news group or organization again. And so that definitely adds to it. That's true. I didn't consider that. Like, you get even more in the spiral, the rabbit hole of what you believe or these conspiracies because the algorithm gives it to you because that's what you told you told told it that you want. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think that the evangelical church and people that go to church really need to consider that um, Jesus would want you to love your neighbor and, you know, that and and that maybe when somebody is sort of the opposite of that, that you don't necessarily support that person because they, you know, your primary issue, therefore, you know what I mean? Well, like, completely, if, yeah, no, it, it's like the uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. They are hating the sinner. And it's not, right. even, it's like a sin, it's a sin in their eyes. Well, I just think that sometimes, like, where this sin really hit me term. was um, we live in Oklahoma, and um, our, our last governor before this one was Mary Fallon. <laughs> and when she was running for re- re election, she was running against uh, Joe, our own Joe. And, mm-hmm. um, Republicans voted something like 90% for Mary Fallon. But the funny thing was, on a lot of the issues that are strong Republican issues, like gun rights and several other things, um, Joe was actually rated better than Mary Fallon did. But because he had a D next to his name and not an R, he lost. Yeah, and And that's a huge... That happens a lot. And maybe you were talking about that earlier, about how you know most of the church is... They tend to be conservative, which usually means Republican. And then it reminded me, people really do, like, they always vote a certain way no matter what. That's who they are. And they think, like, I'm a Christian. I vote this way. So it is godly, even though Trump... So maybe it's like they're scraping together together everything they can to make sense of the situation. Because, like, if I'm a Christian, and I... So I have to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. And then Trump is my Republican. He's the you know, the top, the running, the top running choice, I have to vote for him, but it has to make sense to me or else my whole like faith is shaken, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying that maybe because people go and I don't think that voting straight party should be an option. I think you yeah. should have to go and 
fill in every square. Issues. Well, like when you vote for a person, there's an option where you can just put party straight party Republican, straight party Democrat, and you don't have to go through and fill in the squares on everybody. But I think you need to vote at every level for the person. And Mm -hmm. if, for example, if you're a Democrat, but the Republican candidate, you agree with 85% of what they believe, and the, the Democrat candidate, you only sort of agree with 25%, maybe you should vote for the Republican. And vice versa, if you're the Republican and it's the Democrat, you know, 75% and the Republican is 25% that you agree with, you should vote for the Democrat or independent or libertarian. That would require, though. But that would, well, yeah, that requires actually doing a little bit (laughs) of study before the election to know the candidate and what they believe. And it's just easier to be like, well, he's a Republican. They believe what I believe. Yeah. You get the easy option, and it, like, goes back to, like, yeah, the reading level thing that I was saying. It, it really makes sense, though, and then you think, like, you know, standing up to recite the Pledge of Allegiance, One Nation Under God, and, like, it kind of, it's just, I'm, like, I'm having a lot of, like, ironies like, right. coming up right now for me. Right, and ironically enough, the One Nation Under God wasn't added to the pledge until the 1950s. That uh, was yeah. a move to counter And that counter was around out. the same time that we even started, like, standing for the flag at a, a professional. Well, that was that was a, a response to the Red Scare is when mm. the In God We Trust was added. And once again, that's a whole other podcast and we're not yeah. going to yeah. discuss pros or con, cons of that. But so, yeah, I don't know. It's just odd, and I just feel like the congregation is most of the time going to sort of, you know, believe or listen to the preacher, you know, the pastor, the clergyman, whatever. And that's a that's a big responsibility, and it needs to be taken a little more seriously. And if you know that you said a certain thing, and then... And then certain thing doesn't occur rather than acting as if you never said the thing. Forethought costs a lot less uh, than damage control. <laughs> yeah. Admit that you said it and don't, you know, make up some bullcrap thing and gaslight your congregation. Yeah. You know? And then... It's pretty bad. You have a responsibility to people and they're making decisions in their life because of what you're telling them. Yeah. And, you know, sort of getting back on what we were talking about earlier... I do believe that when you're a, uh, there is a certain amount of narcissism, probably. It may not start when you become a preacher, Mm -hmm. but, you know, people get power hungry when they're, you know, the president of a homeowner's association. (laughs) And so it's easy to. My supervisor at Target. (laughs) She wasn't even in my section of the store. I mean, like. She was over, like, three people. Yeah. Yeah. And the same, it doesn't matter how many people, if you have any little authority, people really take off running with it. Yeah, and I think that there's a certain period of time where, as a preacher, like, the more successful your church is, or the, the bigger it becomes, it has to go to your head a little bit. Yeah. And you have people coming up to you after your sermon, tell you how good you did, and like, 
you know, singing your praises. I think it is kind of like the golden cow, like, yeah, you know, you know what you're supposed to be focusing on as a religious person. Yeah, and the whole, but you know, your message really Not a whole lot stopping today. you, though, except for your own consci- conscience and discernment of yeah. idol, like, what is it? I- Idolizing. Uh, turning someone into your idol, like even your pastor or Trump or whoever. Yeah, you know, you know what you're supposed to be focusing on, but there's not a whole lot stopping you from putting yeah. someone up on a pedestal. And I don't know, this just occurred to me. Maybe if you, you know, are a preacher and because, you know, nine times out of ten, you don't like get out of seminary at 25 and then you go and become the head pastor somewhere. You spend some time putting in your dues. You might be a youth pastor for a while or you do this and you're at a, you know, at a church and then you kind of move up and then maybe you go to a church and you become like, you know, when you're 35 or something, you become the associate pastor and you do that for a while. And then, you know, the word comes out that X church that has 200 members is needing a pastor. And so you go and, you know, move around because there is a, there is a job application process for that. You know, yeah. the elders of the church interview you and then that person will come in and preach for a couple of weeks because they want to see, you know, how you preach, how the, the congregation reacts to you. And so then maybe you go to that church that has 200, you know, members or 300 members. And if you get there, you know, if your church only has two or 300 members, that's really a part time job. You probably have another job because you don't make enough yeah. money to support your family. And then if say, say this happens when you're 42 or something like that, or 40 and say, you're just really good. And within five years, your church goes from 300 members to 2000 members. And you know, now that's your primary job. You don't have to do anything. That's got to go to your head on top of. (laughs) Yeah. It shows your, the other part-time job you had, you know, your boss there, how good you are here and. Well, not only that, it's like when you get your income tax return, you know, rich people probably don't know this, but a lot of us that aren't wealthy, you get your tax return and all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, I have $1,500. And so you go and, you know, there's stuff that you've been putting off purchasing for four or five months because you didn't have the money to go and buy a new pair of shoes and you needed shoes and you needed several shirts. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you get this money and most people, when they get their income tax return, it's gone in like seven days <laughs> because oh, yeah. you, you know, like the lottery too. If you don't have it, yeah. then it's gone. Yeah. And so I have to imagine that if you take a church from a couple hundred members to a couple thousand and all of a sudden you go from maybe, you know, making 15 K gear at the church to, you know, 70 or 80 and then more. You know, that's got to go to your, also be a part of it too. Yeah. And I thought too, you were talking about kind of working up the ladder in a way in the church. You don't start out at the top. Um, It reminded me like, cause we were also mentioning like narcissism and it's pretty common uh, that people who have undergone like, or had some kind of narcissist situation, they can they tend to take on some of the traits by accident. And so I'm thinking of this like (laughs) trickling down in a way. (laughs) Um, 
You're listening to the musings of an ADD Mind podcast. So they've been, you know, growing up in their career in the church, and they've, you know, they might have undergone, like, some kind of, you know, maybe the person that trained them or the lead of whatever church they worked at put these things into them, and then, like, they were a narcissist, and then maybe they've like picked up traits i'm just trying to rationalize in my mind right yeah no it's inheriting it yeah it's definitely it's like i guess it's like when when you know there have been studies that have been done that you know take a dad that's sort of a violent drunk and he has two sons one son will grow up to as an adult to never drink you know never get in fights or anything because he doesn't want to be like his dad because of the damage that his dad did to him being a violent drunk. The other son becomes a violent drunk just like dad. Yeah. So you might have two people trained up in the same church, but one is like, this is how I'm going to do it because <laughs> that's not cool. And then you have yeah. the person that's like, this is the way it's done. Yeah. It's interesting. And I I don't know. I just think maybe the... It kind of explains the gaslighting a little bit. <laughs> right. I just think that maybe they need to scale back on certain certain aspects, you know, Promises. and just sort of, well, first of all, maybe they should start um, talking about how uh, the country needs some healing because, you know, 50% believes one thing, the other 50% believes another thing, and out of each 50%, 25% of that hates the other side, so, you know... Then you have this other split of 50% that, you know, doesn't want to hate the other side, but 50% that does. And it, it's really just this weird mathematical breakdown. Yeah. And maybe maybe instead of getting up on stage and talking about how Democrats are evil, and, you know, maybe you should say something along the lines of, Let's communicate, let's talk this out, and, you know, let's, let's not hate each other. And, of course, you know that I'm not a hugger, and, you know, for me, <laughs> hugging something out is the worst option. Well, even just doing the work, like, you can't, I mean, what is it, what is it they say, like, something faith without works, something like that, but you also, I don't know, how much do you really believe if you don't do anything about what you're saying yeah the whole country needs to go through a 12-step program help people out yeah like you're not making it any better by yelling at each other yeah we we all need to go through a 12-step program i do think there's some kind of shift though um when you're talking about 50 percent 50 percent it took me a real a second to realize you're talking about politics oh yeah (laughs) yeah sorry yeah no that's (laughs) Um, because uh, I read somewhere and I don't remember the exact statistic but there's like uh, like less than half of the country now is Christian and that's like huge oh yeah Um, and COVID has really um, changed that Um, the the church communities that have really lost the most people during the past year um, churches as a whole are losing people, but over the past year, the two, I guess, denominations that have lost the most are Jehovah's Witness and uh, the LDS. Huh. And, I wonder why that is. Um, well, 
some of it has to do with the fact that when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you get home from work, you eat, and then you go to the whatever it is they call their it's church. It's just being around people, probably. Yeah, and so... So that was cut to a halt. <laughs> right. You spend so much of your time at church, you don't have time to like think about something that's not church. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and, with, El- and with Mormons, um, it's sort of... It's similar, but not as bad. It's not that you're going to Bible study seven days a week. Um, but you get in um, what they call, like, ministries. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, Mormon churches you're don't... You're too busy to notice. <laughs> they don't, right. They don't have somebody on... They don't pay somebody to be the janitor. Um, mm. The, whatever it is, the ward it's person, convenient. the bishop, I think it is, will come and say, like, you know, hey, Mary Sue... Um, um, Her name would be Mary Sue, too. Right? Heavenly Father has really put it on my heart that for the next two weeks you need to clean the church. And so Mary Sue now will be like, okay. But they have other ministries, too. And so, like, somebody that will be the person who's responsible for taking food to someone whose family member died or is in the hospital. And I'm not saying that that's a bad ministry to have. No. But you don't really have it's a choice conveniently in it. slip in things that they could be paying people to do. Right. And so you get so busy doing things that you almost don't have time to think about other stuff. And so when the pandemic happened and places were on lockdown and you weren't going to church, the longer you didn't go to church, you know, just doing it over the internet when mind control and keeping busy is a part of it, you kind of get that fog lifted. And then also, I went through the sorry. Gen Z is really the least religious generation uh, yeah. in American history. So you know, yeah, anyway, my generation and even some Gen Z is like you know they're having kids. So well, yeah, it's you know, increasing the population that doesn't believe. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's a certain aspect, and I don't want to like dog on boomers. Where boomers think that millennials are like twenty-four years old, there are millennials that are like, you know, the, 40. the older end that are yeah, almost forty, yeah. and you know, like you're squarely in the middle, yeah, of being a millennial. A millennial, you're right in the middle of it. Uh, I'm a little on the younger side, I think. Yeah, and then and Duncan's on the youngest. Duncan, side. Duncan, I think is a zillennial. Because well, depending on who puts term. the dates out, he's either a millennial or a Gen Z. It just depends on yeah. who, you know, the Kid's date. A millennial. That X person <laughs> used. Yeah, he's a zillennial. That's what I call him as a no, millennial. He, that kid is a millennial. <laughs> and then, um, actually, actually, Duncan is a survivor of the Great Depression. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't honestly surprise me. <laughs> he, he's the youngest survivor of the Great Depression. Um, you know, it, when he was two, it wouldn't have sur- surprised us to have gotten up at seven in the morning and to see him reading the newspaper, drinking a cup of coffee with his bacon and eggs. Yeah. Um, he is from a different era. But, and then obviously, um, Emily is Gen Z. Oh yeah. <laughs> no denying that one. Yeah. And so it's just. And I'm not, I don't mean it in like a negative or a positive way. No. Some things just are what they are. But yeah, the church is so losing people. The, you know, you were saying like boomers, which are notoriously, for the most part, Christian in this country, I think. Mm-hmm. 
That is true. And they don't understand how all these computers work, so there's no change in their mind on anything. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like, fundamental to what they think is an American also, because they just grew up right. in a different time. Yeah. It, you know, everybody's going to be a product of the time that you grew up in. But as I've, as I've stated several times throughout this podcast, um, you shouldn't be the same person at 45 that you were at 25. No. You should strive to have been a better person. But, you know, there are people who at 45 are way bigger dicks than they were at 25. But you don't know what life happened to them in that 20 years, If you know. You might see somebody at 25 and then you, you know, 20 years later you meet them again and you're like, oh my God, that person was so nice. And now they're, you know, they're just a, a dick. Well, you don't necessarily yeah. know what that, you know, 20 years had. Right. What they've been through. and Yeah. Yeah. I think like, well, I said like boomers, they don't know how to use computers hardly. and But I feel like if you're on Facebook or something actively arguing with people about your beloved president. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also have access to the same internet that has all the information you could possibly need to make an actual, like, an actual opinion, like, f formulate an opinion about something, but that would require logic and reason. And also the algorithm kind of gives you more of what you want, so that's a little bit of a problem. Even Google does it. Well, like yeah. Two people might be able to search different results. You, I mean, you, same same question and get different results. Yeah, confirmation bias is strong. I had that argument with someone, and it was about the vaccine. I know that's not this episode, but um, it was the same people. <laughs> so, uh, that's anyway. Well, yeah. Strangely enough, evangelicals and evangelical preachers are very strongly anti-vax, anti-mask, and that COVID isn't real. And they're not going to do anything to stop the spread, but they're trying to say that they are pro-life. Yeah. Um, well, Love apparently you're right. just pro-baby before it's born, and you don't care what happens to anyone else. It's and the emotionally charged. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, your... Well, masks, too. They get to feel like the big guy. Like... The good guy. Yeah, but you know, for your, some reason, even though it doesn't make sense, your rights end where my rights begin. Mm -hmm. I have the right to walk around with a baseball bat. I have that right. I can do it. I do not have the right to take that baseball bat, swing it, and hit you in the head with it. Not only am I infringing upon your rights to not be hit with a baseball bat, I am also committing assault. <laughs> but yeah. You know, there's this whole notion of, well, you know, people die from cancer and you don't see people wearing masks with cancer. And, you know, people don't wear masks with the flu. Well, one, you can't give, if I have lung cancer, when I cough, I don't give you lung cancer. Right. So there's that. Two, when someone does have cancer and they're going undergoing treatment for it, they have to wear a mask. I was going to say, I thought they wore masks. They yeah. do because they need to be protected because they don't have an immune system because chemo kills your immune system. Right. And so it stands to reason that if a mask protects you from when you have cancer and you're undergoing treatment, it probably also 
would work for this. And maybe, just maybe, maybe America's had it wrong with the flu during flu season. Yeah. Perhaps we should have been wearing masks. <laughs> That's you know? what other places to do. Like, it's common in some cultures. But yeah. I had the argument about the mask. Well, not really an argument. I jumped in on someone else's comment thread. And she was like, I don't know, like, why I always get the flu when I get the flu shot. But since I've quit taking the flu shot, I have not gotten the flu. And I just, you know said that like it's called herd immunity you know um you know the more people that have it the less people that don't get sick <laughs> and you know she was like well there's just too many coincidences tell me why blah 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 and i was like you literally have the whole internet to tell you these things and like in that same thread she was talking about biden and fauci and whatever and like, it just goes back to the political thing that we're, like, you know, with the with Trump. It's like, you have access to all this information, and you still choose ignorance. Like, he's literally put out books about yeah. how he's screwed people over, and he's proud. Yeah. But that's that was one of the biggest things, though, is in the beginning of the election, 2016... People said, I like him. He says what's on his mind. Like, so they really didn't care from the beginning what he did, what he's done. Yeah. They don't care. Because it still somehow fits into their, I don't know, man. None of yeah. it honestly makes sense. I can, like, rationalize it. I, but I, like I said, I, you know, I think that there is a shift happening um, with fewer, fewer believers. And I don't know what that'll do. Because I do think that religion has very good like societal benefits um not 100 percent, but for the most part it's not a bad thing um you know we've that's like some of the best that's where most of our art came from like the best you know the most classic mm -hmm. whatever was like religious um inspiration right but yeah i think i think things might be shifting, but I don't know what they'll become. Yeah, I just I don't know. I guess it's my whole what? my whole point is if you are in the ministry, you should not be so beholden to a politician to like messianic levels because you know if you're if you're Jewish, you know then. Yahweh is who you worship, and you don't put anyone on the level with Yahweh. If you're a Christian, it's Yahweh and Jesus, and you don't put anyone on the same footing as them, because the Son and the Father are the same in Christianity. And the Holy Ghost. I'm not forgetting the Holy Ghost. <laughs> um, but That's generally speaking... the roots of don't take the Lord's name in vain. It's actually putting people on the same level as right. God. It's not saying, God damn it. And so many people have Trump at, like, Jesus level. And I'm not entirely sure if some pastors don't, at the current moment, have him ahead of Jesus. And yeah. I can't... I can't say on, like, Muslim Americans, if... I just don't know enough to know if there's yeah. a like a fervent 
support for Trump among uh, Muslim Americans. I, d- I don't know. So because I don't know, I can't speak on it and I'm not yeah. going to. And then the same thing with the class. (laughs) Yeah. And the same thing with like, you know, Buddhists or, you know, I, I just don't know. So I'm not going to, or Hindu. I don't know. Right. Um, let's be honest in Oklahoma city, there are not a lot of Hindus or Buddhists. There are more Muslims. There's a, you know, decent amount, but there are not too many (laughs) Hindus or Buddhists. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's good or bad on any of that. I'm just stating the facts. Do you know by chance what religion Vietnamese people are inclined toward? I don't I don't know that. I would assume it's probably initially it was probably in Vietnam, Buddhism. But, but probably in Oklahoma, I feel maybe like Taoism, we do but we have a large we do have a large Vietnamese population well, here. Yeah, but if you go and drive through the Vietnamese part of town, all of the churches are Methodist <laughs> or Baptist Church churches in Vietnamese. Yeah, I think I've seen like Vietnamese Church of Christ or something. Yeah. Stuff the, like that. There's no like Taoist or Buddhist, Buddhist, you know, temple, temple on every one. corner in the part of town no. that the no. Vietnamese have in Oklahoma We have more City. churches than Starbucks, coffee shops. We have... Yeah. And we have more churches than, like, McDonald's. That's probably right. more accurate here than saying more than Starbucks. Yeah, and if you don't live in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City has a very large Vietnamese community. Um, a lot of people, after the fall of Saigon, Vietnamese people, when they came to the United States, uh, ended up in Oklahoma City. I don't know why. I just know that it happened. And so there's a part of town that is very strong strongly made up of people that are Vietnamese and of Vietnamese descent. But unlike, say, you know, San Francisco or New York that has a little China or something like that, we don't have, the area is not called Little Saigon or something like that. It's just sort of the Vietnamese part of 23rd Street. (laughs) Oh, no, it's it's the Asian district. That's what it's it's just the Asian district, even right. it's mostly... But Vietnamese. they've really only started calling it that, like, in the past 15 years or so. Yeah. Yep. But the, the, there is a big church in that area, and yeah. I've been in that side of, on the side of town, because I love that um, supermarket. Um, I've been there on a Sunday, like, around lunchtime, going to the supermarket, mm-hmm. to the Super Cow Win. And they, it was a Christian church. <laughs> yeah. And, and pouring out of it after lunch. I yeah, mean, I will say the faux places in that area are phenomenal. It's really good. I love supporting yeah. local business. Yeah, and it was really strange. Literally like 15 years ago, all of a sudden the city started replacing all of the street signs. And it said Asian district. And before that, it never happened or was never really referred to that. And I don't care one way or the other. Um, I, I was just pointing sort of that there's this area of Oklahoma City. If you don't live in Oklahoma City, when we talk about it to non-Oklahoma City people, you're going to be like, what? If you're listening and you live in Oklahoma City, you know. <laughs> yeah. So excuse my ignorance also. I didn't know what, um, I have no idea what Vietnamese people tend to believe in. But I know in Oklahoma, because <laughs> we have a district, that they go to Christian churches there. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 
just preached in Vietnamese. So. So I wonder, yeah, you said I don't know what Muslims believe, I don't know what Hindu and Buddhists, like, I wonder about... I don't know what they, what their feelings toward Trump are. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering, is like, other than the typical mostly white, older Christian church, I wonder what the other churches believe. I I would assume that most Muslims, based upon the rhetoric, rhetoric? Yeah, I just made that up. It's a new word. Words are hard. Um, is based upon That's the, a word. <laughs> the stuff that Trump sort of did as president, that most people that are Muslim Americans probably aren't big Trump supporters. I feel like Buddhists don't vote, but I might be wrong on that. That might be an assumption. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it. I just, I don't know. Anyway. We've gone off on a tangent. Not all religion is not all religion is bad, and I don't even like we can't. Yeah, I can't say that all Christians believe that, but the evangelical sort is what we're talking about. Yeah, we just add'd ourselves and went off on this. Oh, for sure. Just Um, fulfilling the namesake. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you can't call it musings of an add mind, if at least once during the podcast you don't go off on a complete sidetrack. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't, you can't expect me to be focused all the time. <laughs> I know in the Get to Know Me episode, I promised that I was going to try. And for the most part, I think we've stayed on task. We've circled back. But, or at least confronting it. <laughs> yeah, but we both have ADD, so. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I didn't have anyone to rein me in. <laughs> no, no, we're just like too, uh, Golden cows let out the field. <laughs> That's right. We're just running around frolicking in random talk. <laughs> this grass is pretty. I bet it's tasty. Yeah. You know, I prefer alfalfa. <laughs> like a horse. He's a, fa- he's, he's a fancy one. That's right. Organic. Yeah. I prefer Invermectin or whatever that what is it ivermectin or something yeah ivermectin well hang on let me let me pull it up on uh are you gonna have a covid episode or have you done that uh yeah that's next week um with your mom because nice um she has feelings yeah and she's the mask maker yeah it's yeah and well maybe it's ivermectin but anyway yeah that's you know, that's more my jam, but yeah, no, your mom definitely has some feelings. Um, yeah. I, of course, have heard them, and <laughs> if you start listening to this podcast, you will have heard it after next week's episode as well. So tune in. And that should be fun, and that episode is probably going to have to have a strong language warning at the beginning. <laughs> could think about that um yeah yeah like mom is gonna go full karen (laughs) that is her middle name oh my god no it's not (laughs) it starts with a k and it sounds like k but it does not it's not karen yeah but if you go and look at pictures of emily when she was like two you'll notice that your mom had a full-on karen haircut she kind of did yeah it's true she did. She was very Karen Karen-y. in the best possible way, though. She's not 
Yeah. She's not she's not an evangelical <laughs> Karen. I I will say though that um because there is like a part of me that's kind of can be a dick and um I always enjoyed if somebody messed up an order if we were at a restaurant of like my food like if I wanted green beans and they brought out corn. I just always found it funny when your mom the next time the waitress came over and she'd be like, he ordered corn. Or you gave him corn. He wanted green beans. There was just always something amusing about that to me. You're forgetting the part where she's pregnant during most of that. Oh, yeah. When she was pregnant, yeah. her Karen, the Karen was strong in her. Uh, the paraphrase Yoda. <laughs> or Darth Vader. talking about her. Yeah, she could uh, she could really go Thursday full Karen. Friday. <laughs> yeah, let's just say that if the internet would have been around in the 90s when she was pregnant, it wouldn't be called going full Karen. It would be called going full Heather because she would have been the poster child for it. <laughs> I think that is the difference, though. You know, like the Heathers or whatever. Like, she's, yeah. the, she's the Karen that came from the 80s, but like the cool one, like... She's got like a a little badass streak. She's not. Right. She's a cool mom, not a regular mom. Right, right. Um, yeah, that probably. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say it now. I'm fucked in a couple of weeks when she listens to this. <laughs> oh my god. And thank thankfully I have a large dog to protect me. <laughs> she gonna go full Karen. She might full Heather on you. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to get all mad and go sleep on the couch. <laughs> I, I, I'm not the one that has to go sleep on the couch because I have a CPAP and it's just too much trouble to move it. Oh, my God. I feel <laughs> so, like you guys need to have like a, a like pain management episode, too, because you're also not including the part where she has like nerve pain and can't sleep in the bed half the time. So you're making it yeah. sound like... <laughs> Yeah, and then if she She's doesn't take her medicine, in the doghouse. Yeah, if she doesn't take her medicine, she gets the jimmy legs real bad when she sleeps. <laughs> and you just have it when you wake up or when you're awake. Right. You're ADD. Right. And then She's got it. She sleeps Night, nighttime the, jimmy legs. Yeah, the jimmy legs will get her and whew, that'll definitely uh, It's, it's actually long. not funny when somebody has a medical reason for having the jimmy legs and she <laughs> she takes medicine for it. And I will say that um, there is no official medical term referring to restless leg syndrome as the Jimmy Legs, but Jimmy Legs is funner to say. Yeah. Sorry, Mom, for you're going to have to hear all this. Luckily, in our house, it's kind of, you have to make fun of Mom. You got to make on her a little bit. Yeah. So Um, she might be mildly perturbed. But she loves it. But you know, you know that we love you and... Yes. We're giving you attention right now. Right. So, and we're not even talking about, we're not even, it's not, this episode's not even about you. Right. It's really just karma for when. Hyping you up for the next episode. <laughs> Heather, if you're listening, it's really just karma from when you and your father used to sing the John Anderson song swinging to your mom, knowing that she hated that song <laughs> and turning it up when you were in the car. This is just karma for that. Like, oh my god, times seven thousand. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we went off on a tangent that completely yeah. has nothing to do with the evangelical church or Donald no, J. Trump. But we said a lot, 
But I think I got pretty much all my thoughts out, I think. Yeah, as with last week, we didn't really come up with any answers other than befuddlement. <laughs> Perhaps narcissism. Uh, there, I think that trickle-down effect is accurate right. and true and correct, and it works. <laughs> Control pastors, be a dick and gaslight them, and then they'll gaslight the nation. I will say there is this weird sort of thing that I commented on. The What people think when you count QAnon and non-QAnon Trump supporters and the evangelical church, what they believe that Trump could do or was capable of, whether he could do half of what, you know, is sort of attributed to what his ability to do is. It's almost like narcissism by proxy. So many, like, Trump supporters, they're like, well, I'm not narcissistic, but they're like narcissistic for Trump. <laughs> and I think it's really they, weird. I think that they might already exhibit some of those traits. I've I've thought of that in the past, actually, and I didn't think about it till now. But I think a lot of his fan base already has, maybe not that exactly, but some things like that. Or well, also, I did think of something that I didn't say earlier, but I feel like the way Trump is and like the way he was held up in such high regard in the be- especially in the beginning like now it's like gone crazy but in mm-hmm. the beginning he's like i think what a lot of men aspire to be like mm-hmm. not even talking about capitalism cuz i'm i mean that's i'm not talking about capitalism but he in that way though like i can be i can be like that one day right. like there's that common thing like even though he's he has ungodly amounts of money, the common man still thinks that that's attainable, and he's got a hot wife or whatever. So he's got he's like yeah. the whole package for. Well, these he's people. had multiple hot wives. That's what I'm saying. Is like he's the he's the whole package. He's got a house made of gold. Like, yeah, he's he's the cool guy with the cool car. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, you're right. then there's the trend of women voting. The way their husbands vote, or mm-hmm. parents, or you know, that happens, um, or always voting a certain way. But I think, you know, just the men and the women are all parroting each other. Yeah. And well, I think it's time for us to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> much like with your brother, got back on the train just to get. Off on the next stop. Much like with your brother, we've gone longer than we had initially planned. Yeah. Um, Maybe not as far over, though. Yeah. Maybe. No, we didn't go as far over, but we're still there. <laughs> we're close. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, well, we're, we're really, really close. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, this is my daughter, Misty, everyone. Um, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, coming on. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Having a serious grown-up talk with you, even though you've been a (laughs) grown-up for a while. (laughs) But it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I did. And I hope I'll be back in January, but maybe even before then. Yes, perhaps. Misty is coming on in January. It's going to be... Probably the most unique episode of the podcast, <laughs> um, Misty. One one of these things is not like the other. Yes, uh, Misty. Um, 
I guess, does hair, but she's not like just, you know, the person you go to at the barbershop. She actually teaches people how to do it, which means she's good. She had to go through not only school to learn how to cut hair, but she had to go to school to learn how to teach people to color hair and cut hair and all of that. And Misty's incredibly knowledgeable. Um, my haircuts have never been better than when Misty took over. She's the only person who's ever known how to handle my calic. <laughs> and she is going to come on and talk about the proper way to care for your hair and what to look for when you go to get your hair cut in the future. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I will probably be snoring in the background. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but anyway. I'll make it fun. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And I will, yeah, thank you again, Misty. And (laughs) as usual, remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Mr. Rogers proud. And we'll catch you on the next one.